Welcome to the Balancing Act podcast. Uh, I'm Andy Tempty, and I'm joined uh, today by Amir Ganad of the Ganad Group. Uh, at, so, and today we're going to talk about a really difficult concept for most uh, folks, which is duplicity in the workplace. Uh, people don't talk about duplicity much. Uh, they just kind of assume that uh, that everything is out in the open. Uh, so I, my, my friend Amir and I are going to have a, 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 what I believe is going to be a very interesting conversation about a very important uh, part of the corporate landscape. Uh, but before we get there, Amir, just uh, why don't you give us a bit about your background, uh, maybe do a little shameless promotion of your business, that kind of thing. Sure. Thank you so much for having me on, Andy. Uh, so uh, Amir Ganad here. Basically, I, uh, I spent about 31 years in the corporate world. I have a master's in mechanical engineering and started out in manufacturing and very quickly uh, discovered that my passion was uh, in organizational work and, and leadership coaching and things like that. But I continued on in my career with 31 years uh, with Procter & Gamble, Sunny Delight, and Campbell Soup. Um, different parts of the world uh, doing that kind of uh, work, but also uh, covertly doing a lot of organizational work. And then about five or six years ago, we essentially uh, published uh, my first book, which was uh, the, the Transformative Leader, uh, and started our own company, the Ganad Group. It's a family business. My daughter and I started it, and then she recruited her brother and her mother as well. Uh, so we're the Ganad Group, where we guide leaders in creating extraordinary cultures that deliver breakthrough results and unprecedented fulfillment. Uh, so that's what we do. We do speaking, consulting, coaching, all that kind of stuff, and it is a pleasure to be with you here today. That, that was a great uh, kind of five-second commercial you you put you put in there uh, for the transformative <laughs> leader. That that was that was awesome, and Thank I'd forgotten you. that you'd worked on uh, Sunny D. Um, that that was a drink that my children uh, consumed a lot of when when yes. when they were young, and I always scratched my head as to why they liked it so much. Uh, uh, yes, I scratched my head as well. So <laughs> <laughs> well. Let's uh, so so let's uh, dive right in and start talking about the topic at hand, which is uh, which is duplicity. Uh, it, just for our for to remind our listeners, uh, Dan Strafford and I had a, a kind of a setup conversation about duplicity, and you can find that in the in the previous episode that we recorded. But I want to hear from you. You know, is there such a thing as good uh, versus bad duplicity? I believe there is. And because, you know, for me, it's not necessarily the, the good stuff is not necessarily duplicity. So let me just define it this way. For me, there is a difference between duplicity and being selective and sharing the right information with the right people. You know, I, there are a lot of people that I trust uh, that, that are transparent, but I have no expectation that they share with me everything that they know about everything. There's some information that perhaps they shouldn't share with me. So that's in terms of good duplicity, if you will, uh, that is a part of it. It's like being selective in what information to, to share, not because you, you're trying to lead somebody down the wrong path, but you simply believe that this is an inf piece of information that doesn't need to be shared at this time. The other part of it, though, if we kind of exclude that, 
for me, duplicity kind of get, goes into two buckets. One is uh, one that says, okay, you know what? Let's just say you have a new hire who, who started with the company and you and other leaders have uh, had some conversations about what they can do better and that sort of thing. And you make a decision to kind of uh, meter that in, if you will, and just be selective and as opposed to overwhelming the person with like, you need to do these 16 things differently. You say, okay, you know what, let's just kind of work with them in this sense. And you need to do this differently, that differently. That to me is good because you're being again, selective in, in sharing your perspective. But then the bad duplicity comes in when your motives are not really right, because your motive is generally to protect yourself or to manipulate somebody and all that. And that is when you just on the extreme of side of it is like when you're telling me something, you're telling somebody else something else, and you're just kind of trying to pit people against each other and, and essentially lying. So that's the bad duplicity as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. So that's great. So let's, let's help our listeners understand just a bit more about, you know, why leaders can't be fully transparent with their teams. Uh, what are some of the specific circumstances that you've seen that make it necessary to potentially communicate to uh, what to the outside world might seem to be completely incongruent messages uh, at, at the same time? Yeah, I think a great example of that that I can think of, Andy, is uh, when you're managing somebody's performance, for instance. You know, I'm not at liberty to go out and air that person's dirty laundry to everybody and say, well, let me justify, let me tell you why we're doing this or we're not doing this, or let me tell you what they did. Many times people um, sort of don't really know exactly what's going on with that person. And, and so it's up to me as a leader to take into account what's going on, their history, what's uh, what they, they're good at, what they're not good at, and manage their performance. And uh, you know, I cannot go out and share every bit of that detail with everybody, even though sometimes it is uh, really uh, very tempting uh, to, to try to justify my actions or, or things like that. That is one area where I wouldn't do that. Another example of it is, for instance, that, you know, compensation or, or something like that. It's like, you know, I'm not going to go share all the information that I have about uh, different things. Uh, so I think there's definitely time and place for leaders to recognize that certain information doesn't need to be shared with everybody. Yeah, I, 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 I love this uh, frame of intent that I think you're kind of circling around here. Uh, you know, let's, let's use that as a springboard for uh, discussion about management competency, because we're, you know, in, in one respect, we're talking uh, to individual contributors and trying to help them understand why duplicity exists in the workplace, but also for leaders to help them understand why it's uh, necessary and, uh, and duplicity as uh, somewhat of a, of, a, of a management competency, uh, specifically how managers view their people. Uh, so is there an environment uh, that managers can nurture that makes duplicity more acceptable without sending everybody spinning uh, down a rabbit hole. And, you know, specifically I'm thinking about, oh, there was a leadership offsite. Everybody in the company knew there was a leadership offsite and leaders come back and say, oh yeah, we had fun in Terrytown. That was awesome. Uh, how's everybody doing? <laughs> you know, so what are, what, what are some of your thoughts there? 
Yeah, so, so here again, depends on whether we even label that as duplicity. If you go to an offsite and you come back, I remember as a, as a young manager, uh, whenever some confidential information was shared with me or we were offsite and we talked about something and they said, look, we got to keep this under a hat for now because it's not quite developed and things like that. And I was mortified at the thought that somebody afterwards would come up to me and say, so what did you guys talk about? It's like, oh, what, what do I do? And then I got really comfortable with saying, look, you know, if my intent is right, right, so I, I can really be honest with them and say, you know what, we talked about this and this and this. And there was some information shared that, quite honestly, I cannot share with you at this time. And, and so I think that, you know, even in the cases where we are justified in not sharing information, we can be honest with people. Uh, you can always be authentic and honest in, in sharing that there is some information that at this time we're not, uh, you know, able to share. Uh, so again, it goes back to intent. Yeah, the, uh, I, I find that, um you know, going back to this concept of good, good and bad uh, du duplicity, um, I, I've been guilty of this myself, uh, where, you, you know, you get one team member that you know, and you trust uh, really well, and then you come back from the offsite, and then you say, okay, uh, you, you're now entering, Jim, you're now entering the cone of silence. Right. Uh, and, and, and you let that one person uh, in because it makes you feel better. Uh, as as the leader somehow assuages your guilt of somehow having uh, you know this information that nobody else has, and it helps you kind of get it, get it off your chest. But what I've just done in that circumstance is I've just uh, massively increased the probability that the secret that we're the competitive secret, the trade secret, whatever you know, the strategic secret that we have, whatever it is, is now out in the wild. Right. When you when you add more people, just one more person to that uh, cone of silence, that circle in increases uh, uh, dramatically. So, uh, you know, what what are what are some of the other circumstances that uh, that that you've seen where where duplicity can really, really backfire on a leader? Well, you know, first of all, let me just kind of say that. I have personally always kind of erred on the side of sharing information and then asking questions of myself, why should this information not be shared? So, because I think you can be overly protective and secretive and, and in some cases you don't really need to be. And, and so for me, the, the, the way that this uh, works out is that sometimes, sometimes we sort of have a uh, we are practicing bad duplicity, but we are kind of justifying it as good duplicity. And I'm gonna, let me explain why. And because that, in those cases, it backfires. Um, let's just say that you want to share some information, but then you say, well, you know what? I don't think this person can handle it. Uh, or, uh, you know, it, it, we, we sometimes treat people like they're children, like they cannot handle bad news. And, and businesses need to recognize that, look, we are dealing with adults who deal with bad, bad news all the time in their life, and they can handle it. And, and so when you treat people like children and you say, look, you, know, you don't need to know any of this stuff. I'll take care of you. Uh, and you just kind of stay in this box and all of that. Then you kind of uh, create a parent-child relationship in that the person doesn't really want to 
rise to the occasion and take on a lot of responsibility because they don't feel like they have a lot of information, a lot of authority. And so what you want to do is you want to set up an adult business deal where I share information, I give you authority, but I also expect you to take the responsibility that comes with that authority. So again, to your question, where it backfires is that if I'm treating people like children and very selectively sharing information just to kind of protect them and things like that, and then they find out that there was really some information that was pertinent to their uh, part of the business uh, that, that I uh, didn't share with them and they find out through the, the, the grapevine, then at that point, it's like, okay, can they really trust me? Uh, here again, I think people can tell the difference between uh, some confidential information that really uh, I wasn't supposed to share and some stuff that I chose not to share with them simply because I didn't think they could handle it. When that happens and trust is broken, that is when people begin to kind of look for other evidence as to why they can't trust us as leaders and it just goes downhill from there. Yeah, in uh, the episode that Dan and I uh, recorded, I talked about trust uh, uh, as a ladder. And uh, if, you know, if as a leader, if you're knocked off that ladder, the, you're knocked off a rung of that ladder, you're knocked off not just a rung or two, you're probably knocked all the way down to the bottom. And it takes right. time then to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to, re to reestablish that. So very uh, true. You know, er, earlier this uh, er, earlier in this season, uh, I know we we drop all the episodes at once, so some people might binge on all of them. But we talked about stewardship uh, with a with another uh, with another gentleman, John Kaplan. Uh, how does a stewardship mindset, uh, in in your opinion, play alongside the the, the concept of du of duplicity? Do, do do they fit together at all? They, they do very nicely because to me, the, the sort of the image that comes to my mind is that when I practice go for leadership, uh, go for this, go for this, go for that. What I'm doing is this is what I heard from Stephen Covey uh, when I first learned about stewardship delegation. Uh, he referred to it as go for delegation, right? So it, it, then in that scenario, I am the keeper of all the information. And then I say, okay, Andy, you go do this, or you know, so and so, you go do that. And then I'll just kind of give you a little bit of information and this and that. But when, when it comes to stewardship, it's different, right? Stewardship, this is where we get real clear what it is that we're actually delegating. What are the expectations both ways? What is it that we want to accomplish qualitatively, quantitatively? And what are the guidelines? What are the no nos? What are the resources? What are the piece, sources of information that you need to have? And I truly empower you as the steward of what it is that I have uh, trusted you go, go out and make happen. And, and, and so to me, it's, it's uh, it really when you're operating in that mode, you're not constantly in this position of, should I share this information or shouldn't I? And then kind of make a mistake and share one thing with one person, another thing with another person. This way you set up an expectation of openness and empowerment for the person. Yeah, the, I, I like how this is all shaping up for our, for our listeners as, uh, as, a, as a real takeaway. And one of them is that, you know, employment is a two-way adult contract between em, 
between uh, between employer and, and employee, and both sides have uh, have responsibilities. And one of those responsibilities is to to connect the dots into stewardship to the long term going concern nature uh, nature of the business. And in that setting, it becomes I think less about us and more about we and the and and the future of. Uh, of, 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 of our customers, of our clients, of, of the products and services that, that we're selling. Uh, and, and ultimately it becomes uh, easier to, to, to build trust. So, Absolutely. Um, so to, in a, to conclude our, our, uh, our discussion here today and in the spirit of two birds, one stone, uh, let's talk, let's, let's finish with the balancing acts that leaders have to play between employee engagement and building trust and the need to be selective with, with, uh, with, with, with information and, and in some cases duplicitous. So how does, uh, you know, just to connect the dots into employee engagement, which uh, is another topic this season, you know, how, how does this all fit together in your estimation? Yeah, so employee engagement, there are so many things that drive employee engagement, but certainly as it relates to this conversation, one of those things uh, that really drives employee engagement is if, if I feel that you trust me enough to share information with me, to let me know where we're going, that you're not just asking me to come and do my eight and hit the gate and be a button pusher, but like you're giving me the broader view of what's going on, right? And, and because that way, not, I not only do my job, but I get to think about what else uh, it, you know, I can do and in what other ways I can contribute. And so in, in that sense, I think it's so important to, first of all, err on the side of sharing more information. And if it, you, you're going to hold it back, make sure that you check your intent, uh, right? And, and the intent you know, could be a very pure and, it, and the information could be something that is really a, a secret kind of information. It could be that the person doesn't really have the capacity, if you will, to handle it. But this is where we're walking the fine line, right? Because if sometimes we let ourselves off the hook uh, because we don't want to put ourselves in an uncomfortable position, or if we have bad motives and things like that, we tend to sort of justify withholding information or sharing wrong information, uh, inaccurate information under the guise of, well, you know, that person, you know, in the South, we say, bless his heart, you know, bless his heart, he can't handle that, right? And so this is where we're walking the fine line. We've got to really check our intent and make sure that we constantly sort of stretch people and trust them and give them more information. And that is what, uh, sort of increases employee engagement, in my opinion. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, the underlying uh, girders of this conversation are, you know, really the culture that you are building with, uh, within your business as a leader. Uh, I want to thank Amir Ganad for uh, being so generous with, with his time with us today. Uh, I'm, I'm Andy Tempty. This is the Balancing Act podcast. You can find us on all the major podcasting services. Uh, please download, share, uh, like. You can find Amir on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us ev everywhere. And I just want to thank uh, thank Amir for joining us again. And uh, also want to thank our our, uh, our our esteemed producer Dan Strafford. He's uh, kind of the glue that holds all this together. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And take care. <laughs>